0: Guys, I'm going to try not to catastrophize here, but uh, I'm recording this after we did our recording with Bill. Um, Nathan and I use a uh, streaming platform, EVMux, and, and after this episode, we we are done with it. Um, we we lost about, I don't know, 20 minutes at the end of the episode with Bill. Uh, so Nathan was unable, you know, Bill was nice enough to, to kind of do a little outro message to include here at the end. Um, Nathan wasn't able to make it. So during that segment and the last part of the episode, kind of like the outro and thank you, um, you know, it's just me with Bill. Uh, So, you know, obviously we weren't able to recreate that chemistry, but we still ended it with the message. Um, Wasn't perfect. Like the first time around, but you guys are going to be listening to the recording that I just did the night before with Nathan and Bill. So, Sorry about the inconvenience with that. Hopefully you guys still enjoy our very first segment of Species Spotlight and take care.
1: We never fuck up. What are you talking about, (laughs) Lucas?
0: All right, guys, what's going on? Appreciate you guys listening to another episode of the Retick Lounge. And this week is going to be a special week because every single week we typically talk about reticulated pythons. Um, But Nathan and I are excited to introduce you. This is the first episode of a new segment called Species Spotlight, where once a month we're going to be getting uh, different breeders from uh, different animals, snakes, monitors, basically anything exotic, you name it, and we will have them on. That way, if there are any other kind of vested interests that you guys have, we'll be able to have someone who's pretty knowledgeable about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Nathan, great call on the name species spotlight. That was money. That was spot on.
1: I I feel like it was too easy, but yeah, if it, if it works, then it works. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about, uh, the whole week and just what we get to do with our our guests. So, um, Lucas, anything else before we jump on?
0: Yeah. So for those of you that listened to our episode last week, Nathan and I kind of touched on, looking forward to doing a live from Arlington um and just to kind of get some background and explaining why you guys are listening to a pre-recorded episode um it's just going to be a jam-packed weekend the only time we really could like figure out how to do a live is if we did it like in the afternoon on Friday when all of you are working and that just didn't make sense so um we are going to be airing this Friday um and so most of you will be listening to it while we're actually at our guest's place um and then the following week, you will see our pre-recorded uh, kind of lounge episode that we're going to be doing uh, while we are at Arlington over at our host, Phil Thompson with Cold Blooded, uh, Thompson Cold Blooded. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting that episode recorded while we're there. But enough about that. Let's go ahead and uh, introduce our guests. We have Bill Stiegel of Phoenix Reptiles that we are going to be having on talking about green tree pythons. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows, on Morph Market, and are all over social media. Sometimes it may feel possible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Designs helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brands for U.S. Ark, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with Retix through first working with Garrett Hartle. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level you struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. You don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd, and you want to make your own way doing what you love. And also, you have big ideas and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake and have a conversation. To learn more or get started, visit stewartdesignbrands.com or call them at 855. 855- sd logos clear brands own markets stuart design helps create them if you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles focus cute habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best looking cages on the market but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages we partnered with focus cute habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house are animals unlike any other caging company out there their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animals comfort and well-being visit focuscubedhabitats.com for your animals caging needs again visit focuscubedhabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures
1: we also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the ReTick Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code reticklounge 23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code reticklounge 23 today for 15% off. Looking for the perfect accessories for your hatchlings or juvenile retics? Look no further than Helly Guy Serpents. Our sponsor, Chris Sexton, is coming in hot with an amazing 3D printer, creating top-notch perches and other caging accessories for your beloved pets. Enrich your retics environment with their high-quality products. Use our promo code TRL10 For a 10% discount on your purchase. Visit them today at heliguyserpents.com and start giving your pets the best. Heliguyserpents, the premier source for 3D printed caging accessories. Again, that's www.heliguyserpents.com and use our promo code TRL10 for 10% off all of your 3D printed accessories today.
0: Let me go ahead and bring him on over here and there he is bill what's going on man
2: hey guys how are y'all doing doing Dude.
1: great man hey
2: man how what it an doing? honor it, what an honor it is to be on on your uh very first episode of your jumping out of the species
1: right
0: right yeah. um
1: i couldn't hey. have think of anyone better or like more exciting outside of a species like reticulated python so yeah i'm excited well, about it
2: well, the timing's great because I'm gonna to get to see you guys uh right. in just a few short days
0: right looking looking forward to that and I mean, I'm a little biased as well because I am jumping into a new species at least during my adult life, and it happens to be green tree pythons that you work with, and I'm getting the animal from you so yes it just it's coming together. I feel like this is the right time to do it.
2: I'm super excited to put it in your hands it's uh it's doing absolutely incredible it's just. It's a perfect animal and I just can't wait for you to see it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I'll probably be in in your your snake room all all Friday. Um yeah. So so do us a favor, Phil, um for, you know, we have a lot of retake listeners which or or Phil, I said Phil. We were talking about <laughs> Phil earlier. Bill. Um Bill. Uh kind of uh you know, by the way, you would qualify to be on the retake lounge regardless. You do have what? One retake, two retakes? I have one retake. One retake, and it's what? What is it again? I remember handling it last time. I think it was produced by Andrew.
2: It was produced by Andrew Acevedo. And hell, you know, you know the animal better than I do. Probably it it is uh, sixty percent uh, super dwarf, Calatoa. Um,
0: I think it's a tiger, or uh, uh, it's
2: tiger head anery. There we go. Uh, and it's got one other uh, mutation in it. Uh, actually, I have it, but. I just literally within the last month, send it to a friend of mine for breeding loan because I'm not awesome. a retake breeder, but you'll get a chance to meet them. Uh, the Todd and Julie Gavin, they're local to me and uh, they have a perfect uh, female for it. And so um, we're going to see what happens.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to, you know, I unfortunately won't be able to see it was a cool retake. That's um, very cool. but um do our listeners a favor, if you don't mind just kind of talking about, you know, Phoenix reptiles and kind of what, what you do and, and all that good stuff. Um, and, and I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're wanting to talk about green tree pythons, but feel free to talk about any other species that you keep and breed. I know you got probably a handful that you work a lot with.
2: Yeah. So, you, uh, you know, you've been to my facilities, you know, I'm, um, I'm probably most known for my green tree pythons and they're really my, my passion i've been keeping and producing those for over a decade um but i keep other species uh i love i love ball pythons ball pythons are where i got my start it's where i learned about reptiles and um it brings me a lot of pleasure to continue to work with them um as an in is it kind of a gateway or an introductory, uh, reptile to people? I mean, I just absolutely love, I've been small local expos where I bring nothing but ball pythons and, you know, introduce new keepers, you know, uh, right. to that species. It's a great, uh, it's a great entry level animal. And I really, really enjoy doing it. Um,
0: yeah. It's like the marijuana that, of drugs.
1: That, that's <laughs> That's interesting it, for me to hear because as a retic keeper, like I'm still a little bit nervous to get into green tree pythons. Like they don't seem like a beginner animal to me. Well, I'm talking about ball pythons. Oh, 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 oh sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Yeah. So what, what projects do you work with, with ball? Like what, what are you bringing this year? Like, is it, do you work with any of the high end stuff or is it mostly just like that entry level stuff to get like, people in?
2: Almost all we, all of my stuff is entry level or intermediate level stuff so a lot of eye candy you know a lot of blue-eyed lucys and pides and cool-looking clown combos and and uh just yeah just stuff like that i you know eye candy kind of stuff and it's so um it's awesome because it's so different than the green tree like it's totally opposite end of the spectrum i I work with entry-level ball pythons and i'm meeting people that have never held a snake before Um, and then at the other end of the spectrum, my green trees, you know, or green trees are not an advanced species, uh, to keep at all. Um, but the stuff that I happen to work with tends to be higher end designer stuff. And, you know, people that have a lot of experience with reptiles, even if they're getting their first one, you know, they, 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 they tend to have a lot of experience. So it's just different, different vibes, totally different, uh, things. I, I, I love them both.
1: Totally.
0: didn't you just produce your first clutch of of bloods
2: uh no i've produced uh i have borneo short-tail pythons which are you know they're obviously they're in the blood python family um but i've got um six breeder borneos i've produced borneo short-tail pythons for probably five or six years i usually produce one or one or or two clutches a year and again what
1: what projects are you working with the borneos
2: uh, so sideswipe is what I produced this year, and okay. then I also work with genetic stripe, super stripe, and ocelot, Whitewash, that that uh, uh, stuff in the Borneos.
0: Okay. Awesome. So. Um, what one of your one of my favorite animals that you have is actually a hybrid. Yeah. It's, it's, it's your carpandro.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: What What yeah. Are your What are, what are your thoughts about like? The, the hybridization, obviously you have it as a, as a, do you plan to try to breed it? Is it just like a pet and like a, a look at animal type of thing or? Well, it's, it's
2: a stunning animal and you're not alone. The people that walk in my room, the vast majority of them, whether a snake, they're a snake person or not, they say that that's like the most incredible snake they've ever seen. Yeah. Um. So you're, you're not alone Um. in, in, you know, picking it out and liking it. Uh, It's a 50% male Carpondro, and they're sterile. I mean, there's never been a a male Carpondro that's ever produced a clutch, a a viable fertile clutch. Oh, no So, Yeah, so he's a pet. Female Carpondros, 50% Carpondros can be fertile, but the males are are not fertile. Interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. I wonder why that is.
2: No idea. Many, many people have tried it over many, many years, and uh, it's just... Uh, just has never been done.
0: Like, do they uh, so... lock at all? Like, do they try to
2: lock? Oh yeah, they'll lock, or... they'll lock. Females will lay eggs and then the eggs die.
0: No way. Okay. Did, like 75% males work?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I don't think that's ever, uh, ever been done. I've tried yeah. it. The Carpondro project killed me. I mean, I tried to produce carpandros for a decade because I Man. absolutely love them but they broke my heart i had so many failures um so i abandoned that project but luckily uh the person that produced the carponder that i own you'll get a chance to meet he's a local guy his name's tony tony jerome and he's going to be at the place uh, this weekend as well super Smart. great guy he'll be the first one to tell you he's no breeding uh savant no expert he just happens to have two a compatible green tree and a compatible carpet and they produced they've produced many clutches for him.
0: So when you say compatible, like I'm assuming that there's a lot of incompatibility when you try to do the pairings.
2: Yeah. I mean, there was for me a lot of, <laughs> lot of, a lot of projects. I,
0: I hear, I hear the <laughs> sorrow in your voice. <laughs> I mean, I really
1: listen, have to bring this up.
0: <laughs> I,
2: I've been very, very blessed. Um, in my, all of my reptile hobby and passion. carponders have not been one of my blessings. They've been one of my, you know, just the time to face the music, and I faced it. And I can't, I just can't tell you how many locks I've had with just beautiful animals. I've had a beautiful fifty percent Carpondro female that was bred by an incredible green tree male. So that would have been seventy five percent Carpondros. Which oh man, the, the the number of clutches ever produced, you know, you could probably count on one or two hands. And she, of course, laid slugs and then died. You Damn know. It. that's the kind of stuff that
0: uh right i mean if it's okay with you speaking of heartbreaks um which has been the opposite for you at least since we've been talking over the last couple years but green tree pythons man how how long have you been breeding them um when did you get your first one
2: yeah so i got um i probably got into green trees about 2009. I think I got my first one and, you know, that was about 10 years too late. I, um, you know, I wish I would have gotten <laughs> earlier, but, um, Seriously, though, you know, I just, uh, I was worried. And at the time and still the, the stigma that they're difficult to keep, they're very defensive, they die, they're, you know, they're just impossible to breed. You know, I was worried about all of that stuff. and. Um,
1: yeah, my I two finally... biggest worries are they have big teeth and they die easy.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I'm actually happy that you said that. It, it, it's it's validating because I've I've talked to you about kind of my uh, my obsession with green tree pythons, and it it stemmed back, you know, ten years ago. Um, and it, it's it's funny. I actually was texting a friend today um, from high school that like knew I kept ball pythons and. Um, we were kind of catching up and they were like, did you ever get to breed those ball pythons that I went with you to pick up with? And I was like, no, I wouldn't, you know, to college, play baseball, had to rehome them. He's like, did you ever end up getting a green tree Python? Th- this was my senior year of high school back in 2011. So I I've been wanting to, and the reason why I haven't is the same exact reason that you just said, just the the stigma, even though it was yeah. later. Right. So there was a little bit more information out, but, yeah. um, And then I got caught up in the retics, obsessed with the retics and wanted to build and kind of get a bunch of localities and, and yeah, it's, you know, 10, 11 years since I've been wanting one that I'm finally like, I I don't know, brave enough to, to finally (laughs) jump in.
2: That's the way that I felt like it, it was a big leap. And at the time I'd, I'd kept carpet pythons for a decade before I got my first green tree. And what I've come to find out is if anything, green trees are more docile and really, in a lot of ways, easier to keep than carpet pythons, Um, but, you know, you were probably exposed to the same animals that I was, and they were typically expo animals, imports, particularly bioc locality types, and those can, you know, most of them are very defensive animals, you know, they just, they are what they are, Um, and if you, you know, don't take it to a vet, don't get it treated for parasites, don't know what you're, what you're doing, you know, then they're everything that they're chalked up to be. Um, But, you know, the captive bred stuff is just, they're totally different animals. That's how I try to explain it to people. It's like the difference between a domesticated dog and a wild African dog. That's literally the difference between captive bred green trees and you know, a lot of the imports.
1: It's the difference between the retakes we had 25 years ago and the retakes we have now.
0: Oh yeah,
2: exactly. And totally. same with blood, same with blood pythons. I mean, same with bloods. Oh,
0: I, yeah. I was obsessed with bloods for about five years. And, and that's what kept me from getting one too, is I just, I heard that, you know, number one, you hear, you know, although they're short, but they're thick that their, their bites pack a punch and, and that they were defensive. And I was like, yeah, yeah. no, thank you. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, I, I, I that's, great to hear and, and Nathan what i'm most excited about you going over to bills you know this upcoming friday uh when I, this is I'm airing i'm
1: scared i do, like i almost don't no, want to go no 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 you're screwed. i'm not scared of the snakes don't get no, me I'm wrong no i'm talking
0: about investing
1: i, I know invest i the, the thing is lucas is you know me and i need my my tree monitors first right like right. before we get into tree pythons let's get some tree monitors in this right. house.
2: Tree monitors are so, are so much more high maintenance, though. There's so any, much more high monitor, maintenance,
1: but what am I, like, that's uh, going to bring me so much more joy. I'm sorry, Bill. I love you.
2: Well, well you may ch- you may have a change of heart in a okay, few. Okay, so, so, we'll, so we'll see. I, we'll see. I, I'll,
0: I'll say this. Like, I went over to Bill's, and number one, this was like, man, finally, after all these years, I'm going to get, like, hands-on experience. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll probably get bit. Um, but, dude, I, like can't wait for you to experience it because like if we get there a little bit later and people are already there you'll walk into a snake room and people are holding green tree pythons left and right Bill, bill's bill's got like four hatchlings, two in each hand and 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 like their their perches and they they literally are just like so you can take that you could take out their perch and they just chill i like, don't i've care. got
1: to be hands-on with uh adult emerald tree pythons or emerald tree bows as before um and that was pretty cool uh yeah. richard bilbo yeah. has some that are really oh, like right. just Puppy. super Puppy. manageable yeah, yeah. They're,
2: they're they're the same way yeah
1: yeah so i i mean i've i've gotten to experience like that before but on a larger scale this is gonna be pretty cool so i'm scared that yeah i'm gonna want one <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I, I don't. I don't have a doubt that you will, but you are nothing like me in regards to like impulsivity and and like just. I, I being don't able have to the ability.
1: Be, I don't have the ability to be that impulsive anymore.
2: Lucas, I'd hardly say you you are impulsive.
0: Well, well, no. Okay, so with the green tree python, absolutely not. That took a decade for me to finally jump in.
1: He can sneak in retics, but but a new species, not so much.
0: (laughs) Right. So like with my wife now, like I can sneak in all the retics into my garage and she won't notice. She, she looks at a a red Neo. She's like, what the hell is this? (laughs) But, but what's, what's funny is that the, one of the first gifts that my, my wife bought me, um, uh, it, when we were dating back in the day in college, um, this was in 2013 was she bought me a hard copy of the, the complete chondro. Really? Um yeah, that was written by by um I want to make sure because there's there's the more complete everything now that's it, out
2: there but It was uh, Greg Maxwell.
0: Yeah, Greg Maxwell, exactly. Um and uh yeah, she got me that so I mean I literally like that's how um so so even when she found out she found out I got my first green tree python that I was getting one and bringing it home Yeah, via via a clip that we posted on Instagram that Nathan posted that Nathan posted on the TRL is a little clip about me bringing home a green tree. python. That's how she found out. Yeah, that's how she found out. And I was like, "Ah, well, you got me. Um, But what I will say is that now that the gates are open, right, like I I started making payments towards your animal. And then, you know, I found a pair of of long term captive, you know, you told uh, me right a, a ruse a ruse right? yeah so, yeah and that, that that was like what originally captivated me into green tree pythons which is seeing the big white diamond speckles along there and and still to this day is my favorite locality but um yeah not you not have, the flood you have those Do animals have, no i'm actually so i've talked to to joey who i'm getting them from um i think his his social media the chondro kid or maybe he joey's the one who also did the giveaway with the Bolins.
2: Okay, yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh um, we're talking
0: about, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um yeah. uh no, so I'm planning on getting those a month after um I obtain yours, Uh and yes. that's only because of like caging situation that that just getting everything set up, but um yeah, now that the floodgates are open, that's where the impulsivity, Nathan, comes comes into <laughs> the 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 inability to control. <laughs>
1: Now, Bill Lucas mentioned Bolins. I know I've seen pictures of you with Bolins. You don't happen to keep, do you?
2: No, I don't. I don't have a Bolins. But okay. if he, if he I feel did, like that's
1: a logical in. next step, though. Uh, yes and no.
2: Um, boy, I I love. I mean, they're they're just so incredible, and they're in a lot of ways have some similarities to green trees and to carpets. You know, I I, I love carpet pythons too.
1: They have a really but, cool history in the the industry, just uh, in general. So,
2: yeah, and kind of the same part of the you know geographically same part of the world they come from, and uh, they're just big docile giants, you know, of the arboreal stuff. And right. I absolutely, I absolutely love them, but um, I, I just if I kept them, I'd want to just have them in a massive like walk-in, zoo-like right. and right a walk-in essentially right. a walk-in and uh yeah i don't Something know it's foggy
1: not... where you wouldn't see them half the time anyway
2: exactly but, yeah i
1: mean that's just where they deserve to be yeah exactly you
2: know, in, yeah. in my opinion and i don't know i don't disagree with you
0: uh speaking of that um reptilandia here in texas uh um, yeah I, I i did an episode on on npr and, um, on, on retics, we were talking about ethics of keeping retics and I had so many carpet Python people reach out, um, j- just kind of happy about speaking about like the truth of retics. Right. So I, I feel like a lot of the people outside the retic industry are, are, you know, always nagging on the retic husbandry and all that stuff. And so when they hear a retic breeder kind of talking about like, yeah, we do need to step it up. You know, they, they messaged me. I got invited to go to Texas carpet fest. Yeah. Um, so I'll be going to Reptilandia, but that their setup for their Bolens is is like just a dream. You know, it's a massive, massive display that that is completely humid, trees everywhere. Um, You know, I almost wonder when they get people to walk through the doors that they are such every animal is kept in such a big naturalistic enclosure. If you're ever gonna see them,
2: you see it, yeah, right. I, I, I can't wait to get there. You know, it's in my backyard. It's in, it's in Texas and I consider yeah. Ari, Ari a friend. I just have not been able to get there. I'm going to fix that though. I'm not going to be able to make it to the the Southern, the Texas carpet fest, but God, I got to get there.
0: Yeah. Let, do, let's, let's, let's kind of get back into, to green tree pythons. Um, I, I want to know, um, what, what is your husbandry like for them? And, and you spoke about kind of the the stigma of what kept you from wanting to keep them for a while. Um, you know, and and I kind of just want to you to paint a picture of what it takes to kind of keep them in today's world with a CBB or even like a long-term captive or like what, what are the setups, cage sizes from, you know, different lifespans and, um, how do you keep the animals?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's not complicated. Uh, I think babies and sub-adults, uh, you know, yearlings do best in a tub setup. And I literally keep my baby green trees in the same rack right next to baby ball pythons. The only difference is, is I put a, a small removable perch, which is a tiny, which is like an infant coat hanger, in the shoebox you know, size tub with the green trees,
0: like little That's six the,
2: quart tub. Yeah. Six, six quart shoebox size tub. Yeah. That's I, I've what they done that his, with
1: my retakes, uh, the first season that I bred just one little perch that they could, you know, yeah. go across. Yep. Absolutely.
2: I mean, it's so, you know, setting up a Neo, um, and I'll keep, I'll keep those, uh, in, in a setup like that up to six months old and then typically I'll I'll move them into a like a 15 quart tub again with one or two coat hanger perches um, you're looking at temps probably 85 86 up to 88 degrees on the hot side and then you know I'm 78 on on the cool side
0: is that um, with like back heat
2: you can use back heat belly heat it doesn't really matter uh okay you know as long as you're getting the the back end of the tub into the mid 80s
1: so uh, set up really similar to how i mean i'm setting up my retic.
2: yeah well when, yeah. I re, when i got my when re, i got my retick andrew told me i said hey how do i set it up he goes set it up just like the Condra.
0: no kidding damn it yeah. and so I'm wasting time that's what i did <laughs> so let <laughs> I love it. Let me ask you this when you're when you're measuring the temperature on the hot side, are you measuring the perch or are you measuring Yeah, the floor? Patch.
2: no, measuring the perch with a temp gun
0: okay so so I guess you know the floor like if you're using belly heat then that that floor is definitely going to be much hotter than eighty eight
2: yeah, it's going to be a little warmer, I mean not that much warmer, um, okay. but a little bit warmer because you know that heat rises and right um, they, you're not going to find them on the ground of the tub um really with significance at all you know they they, they really stay on that perch 99 percent of the time
0: right and any reason in particular that you keep your neos with with water on the bottom instead of like a paper towel that's super duper damp yeah
2: so and you know this is one of the great things about making adjustments um i do keep neos over water um until they have their first shed or their or their first or their second shed and that's just because i think they just need to increase humidity mm-hmm. um, but i've started to deviate i used to keep them over water for a long, longer periods of time but now it's pretty much first shed first or second shed and then they're on the damp paper towel perch small water dish
0: okay um i i'm kind of this is kind of a little newer to me, but I've I listened to a, a decent amount of, you know, anytime that, that, you know, MJ over at Trap Talk um, podcast has someone with chondros on. I, I always try to tune in live or, or definitely I'm listening on Spotify afterwards, but um, prolapse. It's one thing that he talked about maybe two months ago with someone that was on and um, our, 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 uh, you know, Neos and hatchlings, are they, are they pretty susceptible to prolapse and like what's causing it?
2: Yeah, they're more susceptible to any of the other species that I work with. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a baby ball python prolapse and I've produced thousands and thousands of them. Um, I don't think I've had a baby, anything prolapse other than a baby green tree. So they're definitely more susceptible Um, The etiology of that is is unknown. There are some theories uh, to why it happens. Um, Probably, you know, once you rule out um, humidity and hydration, then you can probably start thinking along lines like, you know, we're feeding these things day old mice pinks, which are are, right, nothing (laughs) but a bag of water, essentially, and so they're not getting a lot of coarse uh, stuff going through their GI tract, right? So uh, you know that's one of the theories that why they may prolapse. And if you look at all these babies, they all have when they when they take a dump after they eat, they all have ink dot. You know, I mean, there is no solid stool at all; it is all liquid uh, for the first many months of their life until they start eating something that's got some real sustenance to it, you know, like a, a fuzzy mouse that's got some bone structure and
0: and mm-hmm. fur. Yeah. So. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, I just like kind of understanding a little bit about human anatomy and physiology. I, I, I would think that something made of water mostly would, would kind of actually be the opposite, right? It would hydrate the intestines and the digestive system and it would mm-hmm. cause less complications, but, but, I'm assuming out in the wild that these neos are definitely eating something that, that, you know, are, are are a lot more, you know, at least calcium dense.
2: Yeah. Calcium or just structure dense. I mean, I think the prevailing theory is that these things are eating baby geckos, you know, tiny geckos, maybe even tiny frogs, uh, out in the wild. And they just have more, more structure and sustenance to them than a, than a day or two day old mouse pink.
1: Has anyone tried? I'm, I mean, I'm sure they have, but annoles to start them out.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and you can do that, and it's kind of like it's it's like crack, you know, feeding feeding a baby green tree.
1: <laughs> yeah, trying to get uh, them off well, is the like hard an part. Anol,
2: getting them off, and not only that, but annoles and and one of the reasons we don't feed them annoles is that can cause a parasite load in the green tree, and that's what happens in the wild.
1: You know, Is that all, because most anoles are going to be wild caught that you're, you're purchasing or
2: uh, even, or if you find them, you know, out in the yard, yeah, you know, or you find them right. in Indo or they're eating them in, in, in Indonesia. Yeah. They're, they're going to cause a parasite load in the animal and all, all animals are, you know, I don't know I say all, probably the vast majority of green trees in the wild have a parasite load and they survive. They're skinny. They're half the size of the captive bred stuff. Um, oh, yeah. but you don't want it in your, you know, you don't want that in, in your captive bred animals. So that's why we don't okay, typically feed them, um, uh, you know, anoles.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of, speaking of crack, um, I know that, that, you know, I've had some difficult feeders over the last couple of years with, with, or actually just mainly this year with, uh, I, I produced my probably one and only just solo mainland clutch of, of retics, And that was to try to prove, uh my ocelot visual ocelot, het endocarmel um mm-hmm. didn't work out by the way um but I had a couple difficult feeders and I got them established off of day old chicks um and uh you know wanted to make sure that I had them going and you know after three feedings of day old chicks they were they were biting and wrapping the rats and the the mice and dropping them and man it was a pain to finally get them to take that first that first uh mouse or that first rat.
2: Yeah, but they survived, right? I mean yeah, if no, you, yeah. if that's you, the biggest if you, difference. The, the alternative was is that they weren't we're not gonna eat, right? And right, exactly. Yeah, we do something similar, you know, you you're familiar with uh we use chick down yeah. to scent uh you know our the baby pinks, you know, to for, feed green trees.
0: For our non country listeners, can you explain what chick downs is?
2: Chick down is just simply you get a, a chick a baby chick and you pull the fur off of it. Um, and then you scent the rodent with, with that. It's kind of ironic. It, it definitely makes, they will definitely eat that. It's def, they're definitely, it's alluring to them, but it is not what they would see in the wild. Like right. they're not eating baby birds in the, in the wild. They don't even eat birds in the wild as adults. Really. It's very rare for them, for them to eat. They eat rodents in the wild. So oh. nobody really knows why they why the chick down or the scent of a baby chicken would be alluring to these baby green trees that are that's used because, to That's because adults. rats
0: and mice smell like shit. <laughs> yeah, but because... you could,
2: but you but you could take a baby mouse and wa- you know wash the scent off of it, and it still they still don't want to eat it a lot of the times. So
1: see Nathan. and this is just my ignorance maybe but i always thought that green tree pythons in the wild were eating mostly right. birds and
0: yeah i was i was gonna comment on that because you kind of like were about to like you're like uh oh, you made a, a surprise comment and it wasn't until like i read an actual research paper like two years ago i think that that uh i don't know when it was published but and correct me if i'm wrong bill or, or if you know any more information add to this but you know, green tree pythons are often, you know, perched up in trees, but they actually quite frequently go to the floor to get their food.
2: Yeah. They, uh, these are not canopy, canopy dwellers. Yeah. You know, these are, and if you, and you're right, you're probably talking about a study that was done by Daniel Natouche that dissected, you know, uh, green tree pythons that he found, uh, you know, dead and, and, you know, in Indonesia and Australia and their stomach contents always contain rodents, never, never birds. Um, and if you look at these animals hunting in the wild and a lot of people have documented it, they're, you know, they're ambush hunter, hunting rodents. They're, you know, they're dangling down, hunting inches above the ground.
0: They call that roosting. Uh, is that that uh, the term like roosting where they're perched and their heads are hanging down and they're hunting?
2: Yeah I, uh, yeah I don't yeah i don't know exactly what it's called Um, uh, but they're obviously in a hunting position and they're just they're staying there and they wait and they'll stay in that same position all night you know just waiting for something to come by and it's not a bird you know they're looking yeah. for rodents
0: yeah some of my favorite videos online that i see of keepers that you know at night will go in their collection take videos is the caudal luring that they yeah you know, that's you they cool. and they'll, they'll do it for hours and hours at a time yeah
2: and what's funny is ba- babies will do it i mean just fresh hatched babies like looking for their first or second meal they'll do it it's pretty
0: cool i feel like that's like when it's probably most effective for them because as babies aren't their tails typically more drastic than the rest of their body
2: it's all they're always different as babies their tails are always a, a different color than their body
0: yeah that's really but yeah nathan like when i was like learning about these like forever ago um you know i I'd heard things like yeah green tree pythons and emerald tree boas have these super long teeth because yeah, you know, yeah, they they, that, they they need them to catch birds and <laughs> yeah, right right well so and
1: and how backwards is that is it that we always think of <laughs> green tree pythons catching birds and and you know perched up in the trees to catch the birds and you know in captivity we're mainly feeding them a rodent diet and then reticulated pythons were feeding them a mainly rodent diet, but they're, I mean, the super dwarf localities we now know are perched up in caves and catching bats. Like,
0: right. Never would have, <laughs> would have never guessed that that was what they were.
1: And their teeth are consuming. not near as long as no a green tree python in, you know, the same size comparison.
0: No, not at all. Um, so so let me kind of recap. So for neos and younger green tree pythons, you know, you you said up to an 88 degree hot spot. Um and uh are adults the, the same way or is there a sensitivity between a neo and an adult? In, like that you would keep at different temperatures or what does that look like?
2: Yeah, I'll typically keep um adults at a lower temperature. Um,
0: okay.
2: And there's no magic formula or, you know, magic time period but just eventually after they get out of that 15 quart tub and they get into their adult enclosure they start getting maybe warm temperatures during the day of 84 85 Um, and then i'll start introducing a night cycle which means um, essentially all of my green trees at night all the supplemental heat goes off so they just at night they get ambient cool adult just get to ambient. And usually for me, that's about seventy-five to seventy-eight degrees at night with no hot spot. And okay. in the morning, the hot spot will come on, and that'll get up to about eighty-five.
1: So what thermostats do you use? Uh, I use exclusively Herpstats. Okay, cool. me too.
0: Cool. I, I, you know, and and I've talked to uh, a gentleman. His name is Stephen. Um, he's here in Texas.
2: Yeah, Stephen uh, Saltzman
0: exactly um and he he historically he's kept them in ambient temperatures and he's he even to this day has talked to me about like he wishes like once they're done with like they're set up in their new house that they're doing he's gonna have a room for the green tree pythons and do it ambient because i I was picking his brain about keeping them because i keep my retics in ambient Mm -hmm. um and he was telling me the sweet spot was 82 you know, and letting it creep up a little bit more, but, you know, having the same nighttime drops and that's exactly what I do with my retakes, my retakes, you know, it'll, it'll creep creep up to 84, maybe touch 85 ambient for a little bit. And then at nighttime, I let it drop to about 79 to 80. And, and he was actually, he was telling me, he's like, you know, your retakes are going to be fine, but he's like, you know, you could even drop it down to like 76. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I know, um, It is not uncommon for people to keep green trees successfully using ambient. Uh, Ryan Young, who has probably produced more species than anybody that I know of, keeps green trees. He's a legend, and he keeps green trees, and he keeps them uh, ambient. The only thing that I would say about ambient temps is I think that now Ryan Young has produced green trees, um, so it can certainly be done in ambient temps. But I think it. I think it's a little harder, you know, without a temperature gradient. Fair enough. Uh, you know, to to reproduce them.
0: It's, yeah. You know,
2: not that it can't be done. Obviously, Ryan has done it. Um, but you know, I think it yeah. it puts you a little bit behind the eight ball to try to do it.
0: Yeah. One thing that I've noticed with just ambient and switching over to ambient in my garage is is. Like it takes away so much stress of like the the thermostat and the the beeping that goes off and you're like shit which cage is it and you're freaking yeah, out which you're like which gone? probe
2: which probe is right disconnected right. or gone bad or yeah
0: right yeah um, that, but
2: that panic
0: yeah it, it I, like I I have not heard that beeping sound in like you know since I switched over but it, it like for six months after I switched to ambient I had like phantom. Beeping. <laughs> beeping. Like I, I, I would, I would, I would be in my garage and feel like I was hearing the beeping. It was like, what the hell's going on? Um, I've been but, watching
1: other YouTube content and had stats beeping in their content and run to my snake room.
0: Right. Exactly. So that, that's been a blessing. But what I will say is there's, there's what it's taught me of doing ambient is that you have to be okay with like not having precision you have to be okay with a one, one and a half, at most a two degree at time fluctuation because of how you're heating your room and how ambient heating works. Um, And so I could see how with green tree pythons that are very specific with with parameters and husbandry that, you know, keeping an ambient, um, you know, like with a mini split, right? A mini split is going to, you know, increase and decrease temperatures you know, throughout the day, and that that's going to create a little bit of swings, and I could see how that would throw off, you know, a potential breeding or cycling.
2: Yeah, I don't. Um, they're not as fragile as you are are making them out to be in that regard. Good. And I say that because you know trends are more important than absolute numbers. So just as long as you can trend cooler, you know right. that that. Right. Then, then that's what you're like when I'm looking to cycle, you know, for, for pairing, you know, I'm looking to trend cooler. Um, so, uh, and again, you know, my room is not climate controlled to the one or two degrees mine, you know, my air conditioning and heat switches on and off, you know, just like that. And I'll get multiple degrees during the day. You know, it's not like my incubator where I want it to be within 0.3 degrees right. you know no fluctuation but my room isn't like that it's just more about just a, a trend it's a little colder at night a little warmer during the day
0: okay yeah. and and what do you shoot for at nighttime when you're trying to cycle
2: yeah so i will uh, i'll drop temps down into the 70 degree 70 72
0: oh, so dang. that's a that's about
2: a you know at the most a five degree drop because at night my ambient temps during non-breeding is 75. So I'll drop down to 72, That's um, awesome. 70 degrees. But again, you know, no supplemental heat at night ever. Right. The only time that I I'm manipulating um, uh, temperatures is just is, is the night. So my, my ambient temperature during the day year round stays about 75. Um, and then it, When I'm cycling, you know, that temperature at night will go down to 70, about 70 degrees.
0: That's, that's awesome. I do a lot of my cleaning at night. And so I could just imagine just being able to drop (laughs) the, like, instead of cleaning at 84 degrees, cleaning at 70, that would be amazing. But
2: but you don't want to clean, you don't, you don't want to clean green tree um, enclosures at night.
0: No, yeah, no, definitely not. I'm talking about I'm, I'm I'm talking about the work that actually makes you sweat, which is the Oh, I'll get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get
1: you. <laughs> yeah, my favorite time to clean is in the mornings for a, a really good reason. With the retakes. they're just yeah. I don't know if they're just used to being fed at night, but they're always just a little bit more keyed queued up when <laughs> when it's
2: no nathan do you nathan do you keep your room ambient or you do you have? No, uh,
1: I'm, I'm on uh strictly belly heat besides uh my focus cubed which is yeah. uh heat panel heat panel yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah um i've i've told myself that i would never go back to a gradient but i'll tell you what um i start having issues with breeding green tree pythons in ambient and you better <laughs> believe i'll <laughs> Every, well, every one, every one of my enclosures for my retakes has, has a, a heating element to, to, if I needed to go, to go back to it. But, um, I, I, well,
2: you, you, you and I and Ryan Young will get on a conference call when you're ready to breed green trees Yeah, and we'll, we'll get your ambient temps yeah. figured out.
0: Get me, give me, you know, from the time I get my, 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 you know, a ruse, I think the females are going to be about three. So give me like you know, of years. a year and a half, two years and, yeah. and we'll, we'll talk. Um so what one thing about breeding green tree pythons um even today so don't don't try to gaslight me into saying oh that's old news right There, so i i want to like there're still people that still struggle to either incubate eggs get their animals to cycle and i think that's one beautiful thing that i've observed about the green tree python market and the retake market right now it, it's almost like a curse retics are so easy to breed and 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 what sucks about that is they produce so many eggs right but but then you have a a snake like a green tree python where people still struggle to get them to to breed Uh, and i don't know if struggle is the right word but but they they aren't as proficient as retics uh and then and then on top of that getting them to get established right like you don't see a lot of like the the market crashing that it's associated with like retakes and other industries, but like, how was it when you first started breeding green tree pythons versus where like this season you went six for six, which is insane. Like,
2: I, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question to bring up a lot of great points Um, because I do think in the grand scheme of things, and, and I only have green trees to compare to the other stuff that I breed. Right. So I compare it to carpet pythons, ball pythons, Borneo short tails. Um, And they are, you know, if you just across the board, they're more difficult. Um, They can be more difficult really in every kind of aspect of of the chain. You know, it, it takes a lot of events to hatch a baby or even beyond hatching to establish an animal. You know, you you have to have the locks, you have to have the ovulation, you know, you have to have laying viable eggs, you have to have successful incubation, you have to have hatching, and then you have to establish a baby. And like if I compare green trees to ball pythons, every one of those steps is a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult than a ball python. But if you put those a little bit more in six or eight steps, well, then that turns out to be, wow, that's a lot. It's a lot less likely to get, you know, twenty green trees to crawl out of twenty eggs, you know, at the end of the breeding season. So it's definitely a little, a little bit more difficult. That's all there is. That's the only way to describe it. But the good news
1: is, themselves are difficult. the The eggs are difficult. The breeding is difficult. But
0: where where I see most people messing up. Is is I, I see a lot of failure in incubation.
2: Incubation is a big one. They, it's one of those ones that you, they, you just really, the the eggs are very small, and they don't have a large margin of error in their temperature, their temperatures, and their temperature fluctuation. I think. Yeah. So yes, and in fact, I tell people all the time: if you do not have a reliable incubator that has been tested time and time again. Let your mom incubate the eggs in a green tree. You know, I would you'll do, love to do that. You'll 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 be more successful, I think, than if you try to put it in some, you know, uh, cool, you know, some, you know, uh, igloo cooler thing that you try to convert and has
1: some <laughs> heat tape running in it in a uh, and a fan. I'm done.
0: Yeah, me and Nathan have both have issues with the igloo method. With, with uh, I mean.
1: Yeah, this season was my my final nail in the coffin. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, my, la- last last year, man, I, I I started in an igloo, which the year before uh, the clutch wasn't a great clutch, anyways, but it was a wild pair of toes. But the the igloo, it, it just you know. My, like two times a week my wife would wake me up and and I'd, I'd hear that stupid freaking beep coming from my thermostat and I'd go down with the igloo and and I and I'd have to do that and then so so on my second year using the igloo same thing was happening spur of a moment I literally went bought a, a an old school like you know uh, refrigerator freezer type of thing converted it into an incubator and literally didn't even give a shit at this point i literally put the eggs in there like when it was running for two days and and that was it was amazing like temperatures barely fluctuated so i I didn't have
1: any of that my first year my my igloo ran great incubated all 19 eggs perfectly and like i was like okay yeah second year no problem and then go into it and that's all I had was the constant beeping and
0: drove me nuts
1: running around and trying to dick around with the igloo to get it <laughs> to the perfect temperature all the time and yeah this was it was just such a nightmare and you know I I ended up having uh, you know I think two or three babies that didn't make it out of the egg one yeah. that was pretty kinked up and I'm sure it was just incubation failure
2: see i i had many years to hone my incubator in and killing ball python clutches you know before i before i got involved in green trees and by the time i got involved in green trees my incubator you know was just dialed in it was my boxes were good my
0: how how long have you had that fridge for that free that
2: that (laughs) that (laughs) right Over 20, over
0: 20 years. I I was going to say, I think we talked about this last time. And again, you know, there's a lot of alcohol involved. I don't, I don't remember, (laughs) but but I remember it being a long time that you had the same incubator. Do they even make Snapple anymore? Uh, Like the drink Snapple? Yeah. I I think so. But like, you don't see it anywhere. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah.
0: This
2: is like, you know, this, this could be like, what's one of those old colas that they used to make? Right. You know
1: or, or like Sobe or something. Just something that's just so
2: like tab, you know, it's like a tab incubator.
1: Oh yeah. Right. That, you that, know, that's I mean back
2: <laughs> Right. It's so old. But it's so defendable.
0: You 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 literally walk into Bill's place and you see the beautiful state-of-the-art focus cube enclosure. Shout out to our sponsor. You see these just like mesmerizing green tree pythons, and then you see this like just old ass refrigerator. <laughs> and you're like, why is this dude with these amazing animals? Like doesn't have this this you know, this state-of-the-art incubator. But but what I mean at the end of the day, I still have my incubator that I built that year that was solid upstairs and I now keep it up there in case I ever need it, because yeah. I, I, I bought a commercially made one that's kind of similar to a sea serpents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But even what I'm learning with the ambient temperatures um, PVC is not a good insulator. So I, I have a fluctuation of about, you know, 0. 0.3 degrees, you know, depending on the ambient temperature of my room. And I'm almost to sell it and just bring that, that fridge downstairs. <laughs>
2: Point three degrees wouldn't bother me. I get point three degrees fluctuation in, in my incubator too. But it's I think people get are in more trouble when they get more than a, a degree fluctuation um, okay, in their temperatures. Yeah. And I think I think ball python eggs can tolerate a degree or even two degree fluctuations in a twenty four hour period, you know, that, that's kind of doing yeah. this. But the green tree eggs, they uh, they just don't tolerate
0: it. Yeah, I, I think retake eggs can too, as long as that that two degree doesn't take you to the ninety degree okay. mark, right? Like, yeah, for um, sure. You know, uh, and that's why I, I don't know beta. because
1: I never even reached that, but I had the degree. You know, that was probably my peak, but, fluctu- but fluctuation.
0: But your your female also laid on like day eight, um, day fifty,
1: or yeah, like fifty five. She she laid late. That's for it, sure. it. Was
0: yeah. There were there were things from the the get go that I, I mean I would be interested to see how that would would go. But um,
1: but another it, point on that igloo incubator and another reason I <laughs> don't advise you, you it for people. I'm worms, sorry Bill. I brought it up. I'm sorry yeah, I you, it up. you opened up a can <laughs> of worms, dude. <laughs> but no, it, it's a condensation thing. Like yeah, it it, it creates great humidity and reliable humidity but every time you open to check on your eggs to air out the boxes anything gotta like that You got to burp the boxes all the
0: time. Yeah, that,
1: that, but uh you're you're constantly losing water every time you open that lid.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um l- let me ask you this, Bill, cuz one thing that I've talked to MJ extensively on is is the incubation process and uh and I've heard this from other people as well, but like correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, or from what I've heard, if it's incorrect or your experience, but like even just a droplet of water from the top of that lid falling onto an egg is not a good thing.
2: I would probably agree with that. Yeah.
0: Which which is totally different of retake eggs because you got people like Jay Brewer who have videos back in like 2015 of him literally hosing down an egg box and no wetting the retake eggs and it being really. Yeah. And, and it, I it, have
1: it, not seen that video
0: yeah dude he hit and i i would talk to garrett garrett would work there and he's like yeah he would literally like hose him off and and mm. um yeah i mean but but you know green tree python eggs like and that was one thing i was telling mj like he he was talking about the whole water droplets, and and uh i mentioned i was like you know what and regardless of anybody's opinions on this individual but but kevin over at nerd um he was doing a video where he was uh, demonstrating and he was talking highly about the Wilbanks incubator. And part of that incubator, he, he pulled out a clutch of, of green tree Python eggs that he had in there and he puts it on a substrate medium. But what he does is he puts, you know, damp, but ringed out moss and mm-hmm. he covers the entire eggs with them. So mm-hmm. no water is actually can collect and hit the egg. Gotcha. Um, what, what do you do to prevent like uh, I mean, in my incubator right now, if I were to set up my perlite the way that I do for my retics, and I put my green tree python eggs in there, I'm going to get condensation on the top at least by the second month, by day 60. Okay.
2: Well, yeah. And I certainly see that too. And I love to see moisture in my incubation box. I love to see it on the sides, even a little bit on the top. You know, I mean... But um, I'm very vigilant about towards the end, the last couple of weeks where the water really starts to accumulate on the top of those incubation boxes, I'm opening them every day. I'm opening them every oh, wow. day and I'm wiping the lid, you know, okay, every day. That's good to know. Um, but the first month of the incubation, I never open the lid. Okay. You know, there's, just not, there's just not the condensation that's forming on the top. So, yeah. it's kind of a, you know, a, a little bit is is great, but a lot, you know, could be detrimental. Yeah. Now I've never, I've never, that I'm aware of, let a bunch of moisture drip on the egg. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about if it would be really detrimental, but I tell you, when I see a lot of water on the lid, I
1: wipe it. Oh yeah. Okay. Even with my retake eggs, I did the same thing. And I if know. I had like the random drop of water, like I was like grabbing a paper towel wiping yeah, and it off, like, wipe yeah. it off
0: Yeah, I yeah, I I did that my first my first season, but um I I this last year um you know, I I I kind of, whether it was a correct mentality or not, because, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, with retake eggs and, you know, I feel like in the wild, it's definitely raining and these eggs get wet. And mm-hmm. uh, I I observed that, you know, if I, you know, even with my egg box, I would open up the, the box and write, just, you know, opening up the latch, right. Um, would, would create water to drop down on the eggs. And uh, I, I never you know, wipe them off or anything. And they, they, they did fine. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I've heard with green tree pythons, like, you know, moisture and water dropping onto the eggs can, can be the difference of that egg surviving or not.
2: It's funny to kind of extrapolate like what you might imagine is happening in the wild. You know, right. like I, I imagine like Maybe. in green trees, you know, that the mother's found a, like a, a hole in a tree trunk somewhere and she's in there, you know, and when it's raining, she's, if you've ever seen a, a green tree coil or eggs, you don't see the eggs at all. Like No, they're, they're, I've
1: seen your, eggs. I've seen your egg pulling videos. Yeah. You don't see, yeah, I mean, you don't you see start, eggs at all yeah, until, until you start, you start pulling her off. Animals.
2: So if they're getting wet, they're not getting wet from above. Now yeah. they may, you know, get wet from underneath. Um yeah. But so it's, it's, you know, it's kind of fun to see like what you think might be happening in nature there.
0: That, that's a good point. Um, and to be honest, you know, the way that I've seen some people do maternal incubation, you know, I, I've always in the back, like, I've always thought that, like, green tree python um, dams are, are probably some of the best, like, mother to those eggs. Like, they, they, they wrap them as tight as I've ever seen. It literally looks like a, a bee, you know, yeah. a, 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 a i don't know what am i yeah
2: beehive, beehive yeah beehive, beehive right
1: yeah yeah right. i'm from utah it's the beehive state so right I, I there can't go.
2: oh that wow i'll learn something new every day
0: um so so breeding you do you do pretty drastic nighttime drops um incubation what do you like to incubate at what temperature
2: i, w- I wouldn't call my nighttime drops too too drastic from like 75 to 70
0: Oh, okay, so you're you're absolutely right. So, I guess from like a retake perspective, like to keep a retake just at seventy, most people would be like, "Whoa,
1: really?" That's I wouldn't, extreme. I wouldn't That's be extreme. Too worried.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be worried, but to like, who no. do you know that that drops the retakes down to seventy degrees with no hot? No, time?
1: no, no one. No I mean, one. Even right now, I, <laughs> I don't do that.
2: As long as you know during the day you get the the temps back up, and they have that daytime warm spot right. of 84 85 um, right. but yeah uh, But it, it but pretty, anyway I'm,
0: it gets pretty cold where they're at i mean it drops into the 60s and mid 60s and things like that yeah absolutely even lower
2: even lower i think yeah absolutely in the 60s and you know depending what part of indonesia they're in but i'm uh, sorry so- i missed the second part of your your question you, you said yeah uh, what
0: do you what do you incubate at
2: uh so i shoot for 87 to 88 i mean i think that you know the typical uh, oh eighty seven point five. Well, I don't know if it's eighty seven point five. My I don't have a you know a, a Hewlett Packard scientific you know mercury graded <laughs> thermos uh, thermometer in my incubator, but probably somewhere between eighty seven and eighty eight degrees.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, and that's actually I I, I I'm I'm the guy who shoots for eighty seven point five, but typically it ranges from from eighty. 7.5 to 87.8. I actually just looked that's, at it right now, and it's 87.8. Yeah, that's
2: that's where my temps would be as well.
0: Okay, cool. That that's good to know. So again, not very different from from, and you know that makes sense because they're they're from you know a lot of areas of Indonesia. Yeah, and you know, yeah
2: very states. similar, very similar climates, right?
0: Yeah. Um. So, if if it's okay with you, uh I, I want to talk about just like. Uh, designer green tree pythons and breeding and you know w- with retakes the the only random or semi-random type of thing that happens is you know things like like calico or um a- am i missing one nathan There, there's calico and is there I'm trying to think if there's anything else that that you know i can think of but but essentially what i'm getting at here is with with retics you know you 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 breed a a normal to a tiger you get tigers and you get normals Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah. you 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 know you can definitely selectively breed for certain polygenic traits and and play the experiment game but but it seems like with green tree pythons it is all like an experiment
2: yeah it's (laughs) there's no more there's an experiment to
1: the point where you find the animals that produce the animals you want from what i've seen from bill
0: yeah i mean yeah absolutely we're far enough now right but like what what the hell even is the green tree python like like visual aesthetic like how how why is this a thing
2: (laughs) yeah i mean you're exactly right so the green trees don't have the mendelian you know recessive incomplete dominant dominant traits the only the only trait like that um in green trees is albino so albino's been the only recess. it's a recessive trade in green trees
0: and we don't have any more here in the u.s i think they're in germany right now
2: i'm not even sure if there's a living albino anywhere in 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 the world um but they but there have been some if there aren't uh there have been some in in the states
1: but they Some seem to be German keeper has this albino <laughs> out there. We know it.
2: It's gotta be. He's probably got hundreds of them. <laughs> but I think uh, most people will tell you that the albino green tree is a very delicate creature. Um, right. Like you would expect a lot of albinos um, you know, in species are are delicate, fragile. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. The rest of the stuff is either locality, okay? And you can get pretty consistent results when you pair locality animals you know when you pair an aru to aroo you you get probably you know what you're going to expect in a phenotypical looking animals same with PX,
0: you know same with highlands right like like uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, blue dorsals and
2: yeah you bet and you can selectively breed for that like um gary shavino and david brahms are working with manakori types and they're trying to get you know very very blue very distinct even some melanistic in there um so people are trying to work with a ruse for high white
0: So you're saying even within the locality stuff, we're pulling out and selectively breeding for higher melanism.
2: Oh yeah. Or just, or just better looking, you know, just like carpet pythons, you know, you want the jungle carpet pythons of today were not what the jungle carpet pythons were 20 years ago. You know, as far as the amount of high yellow and high black and locality green trees are, are the same way. You can really, you can selectively breed for traits in those localities. Um, but what I focused in has been the designer, and designer is just nothing but a flattering way to say mutts. You know, they're mixed lineages of multiple localities that have been right. selectively bred for sometimes generations, um, you know, to produce a non-green or a crazy um, color pattern. Yeah, like a- atypical. typical... Do you, yeah, think we'll reach,
1: do you think we'll reach that point in reticulated pythons with all this super dwarf stuff going on?
0: In terms of what?
1: D- we'll just end up calling them designer. Designer. Super dwarfs. <laughs> no, that, that would be that would that would be a
0: slap in the face of the green tree python. <laughs>
1: just had to throw it out there.
0: Oh man. Um yeah, it just I like I I haven't dug into it really, you know. For, for what you know my curious mind would typically do, but I just I find it so fascinating that there is there there is some degree of predictability, but really there's not. Yeah, absolutely. Which which makes I, it kind of exciting.
2: Yeah, it is exciting. And I'll give you a great example of that. I have a pair of green trees. Um the male's called Jaeger and the female is my called boy. Bis. Biscuit, your boy, Jaeger, the sire to
1: yours. I've seen that
2: pairing. Jaeger has produced many, many unbelievable, beautiful green tree pythons, including the sickness. Well, a guy contacted me about two months ago, and he sent me a picture of a Jaeger biscuit animal. And it looked the spitting image of the sickness. I mean, this thing was black. And so One I went back, those. <laughs> I went back and I looked and I talked to him and it turned out that he got the very last pick of the animals for that year. They were released.
0: I, 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 made, I, I, bet, I bet Alex Warren was pissed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, Alex has more than his fair share of raped me. From, uh, <laughs> from, from awesome looking designer green I just, trees. So. I, just,
0: I just know, like, I just pulled it up. I'll try to get it in the camera, but I, I was looking at, uh, uh you know, Bill's twenty one zero five Jaeger biscuit. And don't get me wrong, Alex, love you. This is a beautiful animal, but, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a green it's tree green. python. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. But he also has another, he has another one from that same pairing that is insane.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that's like kind of what the point that you brought up. It is that's kind of the beauty of these things, you know. Especially getting them unchanged. You know, I told that guy that I told you, I go, man, you you hit a a grand slam on this thing, you know. Right. And uh, that's that's the way it is, and that's that's some of the fun fun of it because you know you pair two aroos together, and you're going to get you know. You know what you're you know what you're getting. You right. you pair two designer green trees together and you have no idea.
0: And, and what I love about it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, for example, let let's just say um let, let's just say that uh the animal I got from you, that's a a Jaeger lineage that that produced the sickness, this incredibly hypermelinistic animal. Let's say the animal just ends up all green. The yeah. fact that it still has that lineage, it has that genetic potential to still produce Absolutely. amazing animals down the road, which is which is really cool. I think what I'm gonna do is everyone has like their their like letters that they put in front of the clutch number in the year. I'm gonna put FG for mine for Forrest Gump because life is like a box of chocolate <laughs> and you never know what you're gonna get. Right? It, it's it, yep. you, you never know what's gonna happen not not
2: in not in these things um, yeah. not in the designer and I'm blown away every year you know when I produce uh different stuff that I just cannot believe that these babies came you know from these parents and right it's just it's it's part of the for me it's part of just the magic of, of the green trees
0: right it's it's you know with with uh, and I don't say this negatively about retakes, but you you know what your your odds are, and you know what you're you're ideally going to hit. And sometimes the odds don't work in your favor. But with green tree pythons, it's it's this you know they hatch, and and I can imagine the feeling that when you look at a a, a neonate come out of the egg, and the thing looks black. Yeah, like the the excitement that that you experience
2: you know, the retakes are a lot like ball pythons. You know, I know every year, every time I I know what I could get. Um, I know sometimes the odds are in your favorite and you know, it when they come out of the egg for the most part, right? Like, Oh, wow. I just hit, you
0: know, I just hit this desert goat, cloud pied, whatever the case. yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly. But green trees, you know, you don't know that. And, um, you know, every designer green tree breeders, you know, their desire is what happened to me, you know, the second year that I ever bred green trees.
0: That was the second year that you produced a sickness? Yeah. You gotta be kidding me.
2: Second year I You're ever bred green trees.
0: Lucky son of a bitch, dude. I know,
2: I know. Just <laughs> I I won't say that it was anything but just pure luck and luck on so many different levels
0: and because that, was that a clutch length. that that, yeah, that was it, a it, highly that, imported yeah, animal. Yeah, the,
2: yeah, the the, the female on that clutch was the greenest green you could ever imagine. She was just green. Um, but what, 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 what's more like special about it is it was my second clutch. So I, it was a good size clutch. I think I had maybe 14 or 16 babies, but I lost almost half of them because I didn't, couldn't get them to eat. You know, I just didn't know. If I knew what I knew now, then they would have probably all survived it was my second clutch. So I'm learning, right. I'm learning how to establish green trees, but it just so happened that the sickness survived, you know, it was one of the ones that made it. And, um, you know, I repeated that pairing again, it was another big clutch. So you're looking at, you know, a lot of animals, but nothing ever turned out like the sickness in in any of them.
0: Yeah. And and I will say that there have been very close to amazing animals that, that have that, you know, Jaeger himself has has sired. In,
2: oh, absolutely,
0: um, which is insane because you know he's he's out there producing you know very black and blue animals, but but the guy is a he's a, he's a green and he's, yellow. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's with,
2: with a with a few black
0: with a few black speckles him in him. You know, <laughs> I did almost call maritic, but but yeah, he he's a green and yellow green tree python with a little bit of black in him, and he's yeah. producing some of the darkest, blackest green tree pythons I ever. He's
2: also, he's also produced extremely high yellow,
0: which is awesome,
2: you know, which is like,
1: so speaking of all these color phases in the designer stuff, like what is your favorite color phase? Mine? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's melanism for sure. So I, you know, yeah, absolutely. I I love blue. Yeah. The black stuff. I love blue. I love high blue animals too. And I think there's some synergy between blue and black and green trees. So I think, I think high blue animals can produce melanistic animals. And I think melanistic animals can produce high blue animals.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah.
2: But I'm a big fan of the, the black. I mean, once I produce a sickness, then I was like, I'm going to just do whatever it takes to try to produce something
1: else. Game over, son.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Um, and, and, yeah. I don't, again, it's just kind of that excitement. So like I'm a locality guy through and through, um, even with the retick stuff, you know, my, my garage, not including the hatchlings I'm selling, you know, I have about like, you know, 26, 28 and, and I'd say easily 85, 90% of those are all locality, <laughs> but, you're not a locality guy anymore but but that's that's what i'm saying like with green tree python there's like this this like kid in me that is excited to just like it's like putting your hand in a bag of candy and pulling it out and just wondering like what it is that you're what do you what you got yeah um and uh yeah it's it's different it's exciting i don't know another species of snake out there that works this way um you you know I, i guess you could say you know with with like basins and emeralds you know you you have the the like crazy stuff that that you know super white high white but it seems like almost um yeah but they're
2: but they're all green and white they're
0: they're, they're all green and white right and then you have some that are like really dark green but but at the end of the day they're they're i I mean you you would know more than i is there any other species of snake out there that that like that polygenic traits genetics that that works the way that that the unpredictability that that green tree pythons do
2: not that i'm aware of the the only other you know snakes that i've worked with that had polygenic traits were carpet pythons and that's like primarily striping you know you look for a super crazy you know insane tiger stripe or you know um that kind of stuff but gotcha i i'm not familiar with any other snake or reptile that that has such can have such incredibly broad different color changes and and i think a lot of that is because not a lot of these animals are going through ontogenic color changes that can last from 18 yeah. months to five years yeah that, you know? that's
0: that's true um real quickly i i it, this just popped in my head right now and and we don't have to go into crazy detail about this but can you explain to me what the heck is a super red
2: yeah this is a very interesting question and it's something that i kept green trees for a long time before i i really understood or learned that although like designer green trees are polygenic this whole red baby versus yellow baby Mm -hmm. is more um mendelian genetics okay so so if you have, say, an Aru, an Aru all is, a, is, a, is a yellow baby. If you breed an Aru with an Aru, all the babies are going to be yellow. Yeah. Red is dominant in red and yellow babies. Now, we're just talking babies. I'm not talking about localities. I'm not talking about designers. Yeah. I'm just talking about if you have yellow babies and red babies and the localities that produce those. Right. Um, so some, some localities like Aru and Kofiao are yellow. Other localities are mixed. So a beak yeah. can produce red or yellow. Manakwari, right? Babies. Manakwari, same. Absolutely. So if you breed, let's say you breed a Biak, you can have red and yellow babies in the clutch. Mm-hmm. The red babies are either going to be capital R, capital R, or capital R, small Y. Okay. Okay. In the capital R, small Y, they're going to be phenotypically red.
0: But they have the capacity for yellow.
2: They have the capacity to produce yellow. Okay. If you breed two animals, let's say you breed in a roo, that's small Y, small Y, right? Yellow, yellow, recessive and you breed it to an animal that is capital R, capital R, red dominant, all the babies in the clutch are going to be capital R, small y, all red phenotypically.
0: So, yeah, red just kind of dominates.
2: Red dominates. Red is a dominating, yes. But you you can have a red to a red and still produce yellows.
0: So so, how do you know you have a, a capital R, capital R? Like, how do you get to that point? Like, what would you well, need to, to do?
2: to know for sure, you would have to breed it to an animal that was a yellow baby.
0: And, and end up with all reds.
2: And end up with all reds.
0: I'm sure the first time that that happened, that person was like, what the hell just happened?
2: Yeah, it. I think it took the, I mean, I, I can only imagine it took a while to figure that out.
0: Nathan just hopped out. I don't know what happened. He just actually texted me. He's like, "What happened?" I hope he's okay. He's he's good. He no. was listening on camera. I'm going to tell him to refresh his um page, but we'll we'll see if he hops back on, but okay. So I, that I'm, that I'm, so, so that's kind
2: of why like this is a good example. Like I had two pairings this year, Jaeger, okay? Who who was a red baby, but he can throw yellow babies. So he's not red dominant. I bred him to a female that was um, a yellow baby. And of course, when they produced, they had roughly half red and half yellow, right? Because Jaeger's gonna throw his red half of the time. He's gonna throw his yellow half of the time. The female's gonna throw yellow all the time. So you're gonna get big R, little y, and you're gonna get little y, little y. Half the clutch is gonna be red, half the clutch is gonna be yellow. I bred the same male to a female that was a red baby so now you have the chance of getting super reds okay because jaeger can throw his big r the female can throw her big r and the red some of the half of the red babies are going to be red dominant animals which is those are powerful animals to have um because just I mean, the way it is, is red, red babies tend to be more valuable than yellow babies only because what traditionally they can turn into as adults.
0: Yeah. Again, just kind of part of the joy of breeding these is the unpredictability of what you have and, and, you know, you don't find out until you do a pairing that, that proves, you know, that, that you have the, the double, you know, capital R and, um, it's, it's... Uh, Like I produced, I, I had a
2: clutch this year where I was shocked to see a yellow baby, you know, yellow. I said there were two yellow babies because I thought for sure one of the parents were super red, but okay. they weren't, but they weren't. So again, it was like, wow, you know, this is just, you just keep learning. And this is just, you know,
0: it's, I mean, by far, like genetically speaking some of the most captivating you know just just you know it's there's so many questions that you know at least i have that maybe some people understand but but definitely not me
2: every part of it's just so so different and so weird who would have thought that baby yellow versus red genetics would would act that way you know right right i I mean mean, it it makes it makes no sense why i would do that
0: no. And I mean, I, I can understand the idea of, you know, you know, red definitely creates, uh, you know, definitely like the more designer appealing stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, from a genetic standpoint of it being, you know, a stronger gene or something that that definitely will overpower things like, you know, it, it's.
2: Uh, a lot good. of people think that red is only um, been shown to be the precursor to high blue and high black. Because the founding members, like Trooper, liked red babies. So he worked with red babies, and he selectively bred red babies. Well, what if he was a yellow guy? You know, maybe he, you know, selectively, he and Enrico Walder, you know, selectively did yellow. Well, maybe there, you know, would be a lot higher blue and higher black um, animals. You know, you're looking at 50 years later now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So who 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 knows? Yeah. Um. All right. Let's jump in here. Um. Bill. Um. You know, at the beginning of the episode, I talked about the technical difficulty. So you coming on on the next day. Um. Can't thank you enough for being flexible to do that. I, I know that we left off kind of talking about the uh, red and yellow neos and talking about just kind of uh, the genetics and explanation of what a super red is.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, so we covered that, right? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah we so we, we covered the Super Red.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I just um, obviously had a great time having you on. Uh, Nathan, unfortunately, you know, he was busy cutting hair, couldn't finish off the episode, and we had such a good flow going, but I, I at least want to get from you just kind of some wrap-up points when it comes to, um, like, for retic keepers, or, you know, those are our listeners mainly, uh, some people from the the carpet Python community, but like a message to kind of send out just about green tree pythons, like your, your, um, authentic, I guess, sales pitch, so to say.
2: Yeah. You know, I guess really it's pretty easy and I, I think it's a lot of it was dictated by when I got into green trees over a decade ago now. And, um, at the time my mentor who still is an active Keeper in the community, his name's Buddy Bashemi contacted me and said, Hey, let's do a podcast about green tree pythons. And I want you to be the co-host. And I was like, Buddy, I've had a green tree for a year. I have one green tree python. I've had it for a year. Why do you want me to be the co-host of a green tree, you know, podcast? And he goes, Because I want to, I wanna, and, and he'd been keeping them for a decade at that time or longer. And he said, because I want to incorporate somebody that's new because maybe you'll have some questions and you know, that I would never even think to ask people that we bring on the show. And so I agreed to do it. And as you know, if you want to learn about a subject matter, like get on a pot, start a podcast, right? Be the the podcast because you will have, you know, you have the most, the experts, you know, in that particular field available. And if you're lucky enough to have them on are a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, I was going to say key, key exactly why we had someone like you come on to talk about condros for this first segment and just getting that wealth of knowledge about them from you. Right. So it's, it's, it's an awesome experience, uh, because me and Nathan still kind of new, like in the retake industry. So it's been great having people on and learning.
2: Absolutely. And I can still remember being a brand new green tree keeper. I mean, it, it, it's been a long time ago, but it doesn't seem like it's been a long time ago. And I was so nervous about getting a green tree, like there's some mythical creature. And, you know, basically what I learned after getting one or two or five or ten was that they're not. They're not. I mean, they're absolutely incredible but I think sometimes people put them on either too much of this pedestal of that. They're, they're too hard to keep. Um, they're going to die on me. They're impossible to breed. Babies are impossible to establish. And what I learned and I wish I'd learned it 10 years earlier was that that's not the case. These things are just, you know, they're just very special animals that can be kept easily. And I think maybe I don't remember, but you know, my mantra was you get the right green tree from the right person and put it in the right box and it will be the easiest snake you'll ever take care of. Yeah. So.
0: I'm excited to kind of get that experience. I mean, I going over to your place for the last, you know, couple of years, years um, or last year alone, uh, I, I realized just n- you weren't doing anything crazy or special. <laughs> you had, you, ah. you had you them in boxes with, Birch it with purchase yeah. it's like and, you keep your retakes right right yeah like i i walked in kind of mind blown by the simplicity of it i was super like there, there's no way super simple right billman um we 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 can't thank you enough again for coming on uh i know we did this just last night but um want to thank you for being our first guest of our uh species spotlight and uh we're looking forward to seeing you uh on Well, I guess now, yeah, like two nights away. Yeah, close. Yeah, looking forward to it, man.
2: Lucas, uh, I value our friendship. Thank you for doing what you do for the reptile community, the retake community. And it has been an honor to be your first guest on this this series.
0: Yeah, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Have a good night. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon, man. All right, bud. Take care. All right, guys. There you have it. Uh, can't thank Bill enough for, uh, being flexible with that. Uh, just want to remind you guys, we are going to be, uh, in Arlington this weekend. Uh, our episode for next week is, you know, we'll be doing it at Phil Thompson's, uh, at with Thompson cold blooded, looking forward to that, that we're going to air the next week. We are not doing the live, like we originally attended to. To our Patreon members, we can't thank you enough for the community that you guys have helped us create on our Patreon and our Discord, and we continue to hope and have it grow. So for anybody interested, there is that link down below at patreon.com forward slash the lounge. Uh, guys, we are also new on TikTok. We're trying, you know... Me and Nathan both kind of contribute to it and uh, I've never been big on TikTok. So uh, if you guys have TikTok, go ahead and look up the Retick lounge. We are now on there and uh, hopefully the, the plan is, is being able to get on there and do some lives with, with Nathan and I, uh, you know, in, in the garage, in Nathan's snake room, giving you guys that, that uh, content as well. But as always, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next Friday on an episode of the Retick Lounge.